Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you that uh, you meet us at every moment, no matter where we are. And Lord, you're meeting us now in this moment. So Lord, help our hearts be open to the things that you want to speak and do, that we will continue to worship you in your word. And Lord, we want to be transformed and changed for meeting you in this moment. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in the third week of a sermon series about 1 Peter, going through 1 Peter, persevering in a time of trial, and how important that is for us right now. And 1 Peter's overall theme is living victoriously in the midst of persecution. And we've been going through 1 Peter in our readings, and I really wanted to use this time to kind of talk about how do we go through our trials, and what was he telling them in the midst of their Difficulties and how can we relate to that in our own journey with Christ? And in 1 Peter chapter 1, we're reminded that Jesus is our living hope. That it's only in that relationship with him that he is our living hope. And in chapter 2, we're reminded that we're called to live this holy life, that we are God's chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. And that Jesus is the chief cornerstone which we build our lives upon. Peter reminds us to have this eternal perspective, not a temporal one. That all throughout this, if Jesus is our living hope, we have to have that eternal perspective. And knowing Jesus is our living hope, we know that we can get through any trial, any difficulty, any crisis. As long as we know that to be true. At the end of 1 Peter and of chapter 2, he tells us how to live out this holy life. How do we be a witness in the midst of the world? And it really is, becomes a, an action step for us to respond to. And 1 Peter 2, 11, 2, 11 through 12 says this, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. See, the world would say the church has it wrong, and if the church doesn't look any different from the world, then they would have that right. But if the world sees our good deeds, then they could turn and they too could glorify God. See, to be a Christian means to be a witness, a very witness that Jesus is our living hope, to live a life that's right before God and before others, to show the world who Christ is in the midst of our difficulties. See, there's no such thing as a little sin. And Peter confronts that and begins to beg them on their journey to abstain from those things that we're to live our life differently. And, and I think sometimes we could rationalize that and we say, well, that's just a little sin or it's just a small thing. But we have to remind you that all sin is offensive to God. Why? Because he died for our sins. When we let a little sin in, the truth is all hell breaks loose. So we have to stop rationalizing or making excuses or blaming others. And we have to live our lives according to our faith and what that looks like. And it's simply this. It's doing the right thing and living the right way. 
It's, it's living the right way in his righteousness, not our righteousness. The holy life that we're called to live out is a life because he is holy and because of what he has done. And that we have to live that way and, and we have to respond that way regardless of our circumstance, regardless of what's going on right now in any moment of our life. See, right after Peter says that the world should see our good deeds, he begins to talk about a word called submission. And oh, how we love the word submission. The word submission has to do with trust. And if we can't submit, it means that we don't trust. And all of us have trouble with submission. And the reason for that, or what it would be called, is rebellion. And rebellion is sin. I don't think there's anyone who just likes people to tell them what to do. I don't think that comes natural. And Peter begins to talk about having authorities in our life and the importance of those authorities over us. And, and if we're going to show the world our good deeds, then he immediately goes into this understanding about submission and what that looks like. Submitting to the authorities over us and, and how do we do that? Do we have trust in God as we submit ourselves and live our lives? See, all of us struggle with that submission and our rebellion is what keeps us from that relationship with the Lord. Our rebellion is what separates us. But we have to trust that the Lord has all things in control. See, when we show the world our good deeds by living a life that's submitted to God. That's how they begin to see the difference of ourselves and those in the world, is that we first and foremost submit our lives to him. And Peter explains that we should be submitted to all those who are in authority over us and what that looks like. And if we can't submit to those who are in authority over us, we'll not submit our lives to the Lord. And if we won't submit our lives to the Lord, what witness is that to the world? See, Scripture teaches us about who Christ is and why he came for us. And now we're called to come to this place and align our lives to him and then be that witness of who he is to the world. And that he's ultimately that authority over our lives. And we lay down our lives when we lay down our lives, he promises us an eternal life. And he gives us his relationship with him. And, and then he calls us to be these witnesses to the world. And as we're submitted to our authority of who he is over us, and the world sees that submission, they'll take notice. How you know that you're walking in that submission and what it's called is the first time someone in authority over you tells you no. How do we respond? See, quickly we want to respond with what we find is justice, but we have to submit our lives unto God and trust that the Lord will see things to completion. Father Jim uses this line a lot, so I'm going to steal it from Father Jim, and I'm going to use it all the time, and then I'm not going to give him credit anymore. (laughs) He often says we're to live our lives in such a way that the world would be jealous of us. I think if each of us stop right now for a moment and think about that, am I I living my life, even though I'm having difficulty right now, life has been really hard these last 45 days. It's not easy. And the truth is that there's others who have it harder than us right now. What we have to get is in perspective of our lives. But can I live my life right now in a way that those around us would be jealous because I'm submitted to God? because of my love for who he is, 
And can I walk that out that others would see that? And that is the holy call of the church. See, we're called to be a blessing to those around us, especially when life is troublesome. There's a way for others to see our good deeds. There's a way that we're called to show our faith to the world. And Peter continues in 1 Peter 3.8. And he says, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. He gives a direction, again, an action step of what we're to take as the people of God. That, that it's not a suggestion. He's saying this is how you're called to live your life. It's this clear direction of how we walk out our lives as Christians. That others would see our lives and desire our lives as well. Desire what it is that made a difference in our lives. That we could point things back to Jesus. To be like-minded just means to bring unity. And am I someone who brings unity to others or do I cause division? And if I'm one who's dividing, then I'm doing the work of the enemy, not the work of the Lord. Peter says, don't divide yourself. Don't don't be divided. Don't let yourselves be divided. But be the ones who bring unity into others and to those around you. Be the one who brings love, not indifference. Bring love into others' lives, and not just the ones you like, but love the ones you don't like. Bring unity, not division, and bring unity to ones not just you like, would like, but those that you have a difficulty with as well. And he goes on to say this, 1 Peter 3.9. He says, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessings. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. How many of us want to inherit a blessing? How important is that, that we walk out in those blessings? No matter what degree of difficulty we're going through as Christians, we don't return evil with evil. We return evil with good. The truth is God always triumphs over evil. And here's what I think. Right now we're, again, facing the greatest crisis of our lifetime. And we're looking for explanations And here we see this difficulty that we face. And there's one camp that would believe that somehow God inflicted this on us. And I don't believe that. I believe we live in a fallen world. And there's sin. That this world's not made perfect. But it will be perfect when he comes again. And when we meet him again. That's what gives us an eternal perspective. But knowing what the enemy has tried to use for evil, God will use it for good. And I think at this time, when we're struggling with so much around us, all the more important it is for us to prevail as Christians, to live our lives according to the way he's called us by our faith and sharing that faith, that we don't repay evil with evil. We repay evil with blessings. Just as the Lord blessed us, we're called to be that blessing to others. And a blessing is simply this. A blessing is a gift of God's grace. It's his favor and it's his protection. And how can I bring that grace into someone else's life? How, how can I be the one who comes and brings grace and imparts grace just as that grace was imparted on me? See, if we're going to show the world our faith, there's no greater time than right now. With the challenges that we have, we could feel that we're being set back. And how would we ever recover in these very moments? 
But I believe in the adversity, adversity that we're facing, there's also great things that can come out of it. That God's church can be victorious in the midst of it. That his church is his people. And his people can be a blessing. And we could be that blessing to all those around us. See, it's a time of crisis where we show our true character. It's where our true character is being revealed. So let our character be that of Christ and let Christ be known in the midst of our crisis. Now it's time we show our good deeds before others to be a blessing in their lives. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are our living hope. We thank you that you've set us apart for the work you've called us to do here on earth. And we thank you, Lord, that you have blessed us beyond we can ever imagine or understand that you've poured out grace into our lives, that you took your, Lord, self and put it in place of our sins and gave yourself up so that we can have an eternal life with you. And our, Lord, response is to come, is to meet you in that moment. And I thank you, Lord. So let us be a blessing. As we received freely, let us too give freely and bring that blessing to others and those around us. Now, if you're here and you're watching right now, and it's a moment in all of our lives to receive that very grace. And to receive that grace, it means that we have to surrender something. It's, you know, those little sins we let in our lives, what happens? All hell breaks loose as a result of it. God wants to move in your life in a way that he has not been able to move before because we didn't let him in, because we, we, we held on to those areas. We didn't surrender those areas, but we're called to turn. And he's calling you right now to turn from those places. And he wants to have a relationship with you, that your life would be transformed from this day forward. What do we do? We come, we surrender, and we ask him into our lives. And he meets us in that moment. And supernaturally, what's imparted is a gift of grace and we're given this promise of an eternal life and a relationship with him. Now, if you don't know him in that way, he wants to know you in that way. And if you'd like to pray with me to know him, I just ask you to repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my heart. And I ask you to come in. Take control of my life. And make me the person that you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed with me, I'd ask, right, if you're on the campus, you let us know. And there's a little button you're going to click on that you prayed. And we want to help you on this journey with Christ. If you're watching through other, another social media platform, go to our website. And there's a button that you can click on new or a prayer request. And we want to follow up with you and continue to help you grow in that relationship with who Christ is. Amen.